so for all the guests that I introduce on this show, I always try to dedicate 30 seconds, open up a runway, and introduce the guest. And I usually do it off the top of my head. But the person that I'm looking at right now, I've had to consult my notes many times because of all the accolades this gentleman has done. He is the Chief Strategy Officer at Revolution Brewing Company out of Chicago. You might have seen him recently on the Wine Enthusiast, Enthusiast 40 Under 40 list. He's helped out with Lori Children's Hospital in Chicago. Oh, yeah, he's got a beer blog, too. And, oh, yeah, he's on Instagram at Beer Aficionado. It is Doug Velicki on the show. I hope I said that last name right. Welcome to our show. You nailed it. Thank you guys for having me. It's an honor to be here. I blacked out. Was that good, Jeff? That was beautiful, Doug. Thanks for coming on. So, Doug, you're from Chicago. Well, you work at Chicago. Are you from Chicago? Are you? I'm originally from Pittsburgh. So you you just love those cities, man. Those like blue collar. Yep, I I like to be punished all winter long. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the windy city. Pun- punished in weather and sports teams more recently. So I don't mean to Absolutely. open up that wound. So I'm sorry. Who's are you- your who, Who's your sports team? Like who who are you go for? Uh, the, I'm a pretty big hockey fan, and then in the NFL, so Steelers and Penguins. Okay, I, you you just you had to carry that all the way to Chicago. You said yeah. I made it a good ways with the Pirates, and eventually, uh, around 2015, I swore them off and said never, no more. There was one point in the, and then we'll stop with the sports tie. I promise. There was one point in the Pirates' history. They had the greatest named outfield ever, being the Pirates to have. Nate McClouth, Jason Bay, and Xavier Nady, they were all pirate names. It was perfect. They were right there with Jack Sparrow, and I just thought that was like perfect. I'm pretty sure they drafted and or assigned those players only on their names, and then they happened to work out. That's my rant about the Pirates. That's the most knowledge I have of them. Um, so what's Chicago beer like? Is it is it windier? Um, so the Chicago scene is an interesting one because it's for a long time, it was the most distributed to city and probably is, meaning uh, in terms of just like access to beer on the shelf, what you could find at the, the big wine and beer superstores, just the amount of choices. You'd find more beers in Chicago, partially just due to its central location, but um, just the history of the town always being a, a beer drinking town. There was really good distro here, but until around 2010, there was absolutely no beer scene other than Goose Island. And then if you cross the, the border into Indiana, not too far, there was three Floyds. Um, oh, yeah. but, but there was just n- nothing like there is today. So what we have here is um, pr- has come together pretty fast. Uh, you know, some, some cities are coming together much more recently, like my hometown of Pittsburgh. Um, they didn't really see their boom until 2015, 2016, where they really started popping up fast. So, uh, but the drinker here is very much old. I'd call them, it's, it's much more of like an old school beer drinking town who loves like the brew pub style of exploring a lot of the like classic styles, uh, much more than most cities. Like there's obviously craft beer enthusiasm everywhere and of every kind in every city. But here I feel like the, some of the older trends are like already coming back, like the, the West Coast IPA was like first to make its comeback here, which kind of like 
uh, started to fade away in the middle of the last decade. It's already making a big comeback here. And you see it starting to pop up a little bit more and more. But um, people here tend to like like a variety of styles and not just want to drink, you know, hazy IPAs all day or pastry stouts all day. Um, do they like those fruited sours? How how far away from beer do you can Chicago? What do you call it? Chicago Indians? What do you call people from Chicago? Chicagoans. Chicago. How far away from beer can they get? At what point do we do they go? This isn't beer, but I'm still going to drink it. Or it's basically an alcoholic smoothie. You know, I think it depends on the them age age range you're asking. Um, yeah. I think the the crew that's like you know under thirty or just entering their thirties is much more into the um, sweeter styles and the I call them the Jamba Juice smoothie smoothie <laughs> beers. Um, those are definitely a thing, but we only have probably, I don't know, um, three to five breweries that are really known for those out of, you know, call it 200 that we have in the Chicago area. Um, you know, there, there's something for everybody here, any style, you name it. And there's a brewery here specializing in it. Um, we do have a lot of breweries who, uh, do embrace specialization. Like we have five lager only breweries. It's not unheard of to have one. But to have five already um, is pretty significant breweries that are committed to lager only. And they do a great job of like differentiation and always having eight to 10 different versions around. And they are beloved by our city. It's like it's the lager only breweries can do no wrong. Sounds like awfully limiting. Yeah. Um, they but, go for it, man. All right. Respect. Yeah. But they, they just try to own what they love and are good at and don't try to cater to everybody and realize they're not going to be for everyone. And so they carve out their niche and, and, and in a way that's going to, that, that could be what's, you know, who's the most successful going forward is someone who has a, a specific point of view and just tries to do one thing, one thing that can still be fairly broad, um, but do that one thing very well and get known as a master of that. And that's how you really get the, the case for that is that you get much more loyal fans when you have a specific point of view. Yeah, and I think Connecticut, <clears throat> there might be, I know one off the top of my head that specifies in German-style lagers. They all were trained there and whatnot. It's East Rock, Jeff, if you, for those. Um, um, and there might be, like, one other. But I know that Notch, which is in Massachusetts, like, that's I know, is a more traditional style. I feel like we're starting to see that pick up a little bit more, almost as a kickback to this anti-hazy, anti-adjuncted IPA or stout or insert beer style here. And you're seeing a lot of like traditional styles start to like come back a little bit. And I think whenever we talk to consumers, a lot of people are like, well, I really want Pilsners and Lagers and Pale Ales more so. And I think from like breweries, it's like, well, what what's gonna sell? And it's like, well, hazy sells hand over fist like all every single time so i feel like it's always this stalemate of what the consumer says they want and then what they actually go for and have and it's the same struggle in connecticut as someone who's a part of a larger company like revolution is that what you're also seeing where it's do we want to go towards the traditional and cater to that or is it do we make hazies and try to perfect what's good how weird do you guys get over there you guys get weird? Yeah, we get a little weird. I mean, we make a, nice. I think we make more barley wine than anyone. Um, oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm pretty confident in that. 
or at least more, or at least more types of barley wine in a given year mm-hmm. than most. So uh, that's weird, or at least would be very weird if I told you that five years ago. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we I mean, we try to do, you know, I'd say we're most known for our IPAs. We were an IPA brewery, um, but we created a seasonal line that was our chance to have these beers that are there every year, but maybe aren't something that would sell 365 days a year. And that's where we plug in a lot of styles that we love and want to see like a red ale, like a Mart, uh, Mertzen, uh, for Oktoberfest, a, uh, we have a Belgian pale ale. We might be the only one still hanging on to that style, uh, yeah. that we do in the winter. And so we have these kind of beloved seasonals that survive and continue to be successful for us because they go away and, and then they come back and then people can look forward to them, associate them with the season, but we don't try to make it this thing that we shove down your throat all year round. Cause it just wouldn't work. And there's a lot of styles like that, that if done with restraint, you can have a lot of success with, but you need, you need a bunch of them. You can't just, you know, force the square peg into the red hole. Like if I was trying to sell a 8% black IPA, like I'm drinking right now in July, um, I'd be out of business and, and that just wouldn't work. <laughs> so, um, so we, so we we're known for IPAs and, and we have our seasonal line. That's very, um, uh, you know, got a wide range of like spins on classic styles. And then we have, um, and we're a brew pub. So we have these, um, beers we rotate in that are just like a lot of the classics English styles. Those tend to not be in a can. That's more of just like what you'll see on tap. But most recently we have gotten into the sour game and are doing really well with it. So we have a line of sours called the freedom series, uh, freedom sours, and they're 4.5%. They're not the Jamba juice sours. I was talking about, these are like as approachable as it gets, but using real fruit and, um, they, they have a, they've, they've been a bridge for us to get wine drinkers and cocktail drinkers into beer and really opened us up to a new consumer base because, um, you know, we have a great reputation and awesome fan base in Chicago, but eventually you do kind of hit a wall if you keep continuing to do the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. So, um, getting into sours and trying to make them as approachable as possible, as possible, not like what I was drinking seven years ago, these barrel aged sours, um, that would, you know, knock the skin off your teeth. Um, those aren't the way to introduce someone to a category. So we kind of went the opposite end and made them, uh, really approachable, focused them around different fruits. And, uh, those are doing incredible and they, they have very little competition either. Um, I think I checked like the data. If you look in like super, uh, supermarkets and the big box stores, uh, and look at the sour category where fi- last in the last year, we're 56% of the sa- of all sour sales in the, in the state of Illinois, just because partially, cause there's not a lot of people doing it or, or not doing it at that, like uh, big box consumer level. Um, there's tons of small breweries who just sell their beer in you know small bottle shops or out of their tap room that are doing sours, of course, but we're trying to get it to that. Um, because of our size, we need to, we need m- more than just like the hyper engaged beer enthusiast. That's like rocking on Facebook groups all day. Like, uh, <laughs> we're too big to only hit that consumer. We have to get the people that are, uh, just enjoy craft beer. Don't follow it on social media. Don't care to that level, but love good beer and are happy to pay a premium for it and pick it up at the grocery store. Uh, that's where we sell a lot of our beer. But it's um, humble brag. That was a nice humble brag. You know, yeah. you slide it right in there. We're kind of a big deal. The rest of you can go suck it. And uh, it's great stuff. 
Uh, we in Connecticut, uh, we have a Facebook group called CT Beer Drinkers, and we like to bag on them because it's exactly what you just described in yeah. in one sentence. You nailed it. Is there like a Chicago beer drinkers? There's a lot of them. Um, there's like a Chicago barley wine chug drinkers, a Chicago <laughs> stout chug drinkers. You you name the the niche of beer content you want, and there's a Chicago Facebook group for it. But but no, I know what you mean. There's probably like three or four like really big ones with six to ten thousand, maybe more uh, people in it that you know have a a lot of conversations going all day every day. Is that where you go to get your ideas for all your hilarious videos on Instagram? Is that just like you go there like you're writing it for me, folks? Like just keep just keep sending them my way, man. I get it. So- so I actually, I, I finally removed Facebook from my world uh, when, when we released uh, our uh, most anticipated release of the year, VSOJ, oh. um, a barley wine we released over the summer for the second time. Um, literally over a hundred people were treating my Facebook account as a revolution customer service. <laughs> so um, I, I had gotten, I've gotten very into the TikTok world and I'm mm-hmm. just fascinated by TikTok. And so when I let that enter my orbit. I really needed to get rid of something as well, just to balance the the forces and really my time. And so I just needed to delete something. And so Facebook was the one I used the least and the one that bugged me the most. So I just so, decided to walk away from it. So you're not going to be joining the metaverse? Uh, not at this point, no. Mm, you <laughs> could live any life. You can live any <laughs> life. Nothing like um, not only having to be like, taking dms from people complaining about a brewery maybe the beer was oxidized or infected or whatever you want to say but to add another step to that to have like a limited release on a barley wine those kind of people if they're mad and they're all like directing their feedback towards you i can imagine can be a nightmare um so i give you credit Well, this was more, this wasn't so much complaining that they didn't get it. It was like special favors, like, hey, man, Uh, can you pick it up for me and meet me here? And I'm like, I don't even know you. I'm like, no. This is is DoorDash. That's what this whole episode is. It's more of like you, you, you uh, promote us and then you also give us VSOJ. No, I'm I'm totally kidding. Do you mind if we we meet like somewhere in like Ohio or something? And then we can just like, that's like halfway, right? Like, what do we do? I, I will not do that. I, I will not travel that far for any beer. Actually, you so, know what? Go for it. That was so cool. speaking of your, your uh, TikTok um, fascination and on your Instagram, if you're not directly, you're just doing all those ideas you're getting right from your experience in the beer industry, right? So you're like, what I love is that you would nail the exact stereotypes of, of the type of people you get in the craft beer culture that and that, and it's not just about Chicago. It's about just in general, the like, countrywide. Where you come up with this stuff, man? So it's I, life. I am a, a a beer geek. I mean, I've been I've I've had a lot of beer trades. If you if I dug up my beer advocate profile, it would probably say like seventy five lifetime trades or something like that. And I, now there's people in the thousands. So I'm not saying that's anything crazy. But I'm saying like I was submerged in that world especially from 2013 to 2015. And so I still have many knucklehead friends who uh, care about beer, like they care about cryptocurrency and, <laughs> and other things like that and treat it the same way pretty much. And 
I just find it hilarious. And I just like, can't get enough of these, uh, these people. And many of these are customers of ours that I love just joke that I have a funny enough relationship with that they know if I throw jabs, it's only out of love. And a lot of it is like kind of me making fun of myself at the way I used to be and how obsessed <laughs> I used to be. And then eventually kind of cooled off, got my job in the industry, which, um, you know, still, I still go to beer shops and buy, you know, hyped beer sometimes, or just like beer I'm excited to try. I, I drink a lot of other breweries beer and buy it with my own money and all that stuff. So I'm very much a, a super consumer in that sense like them. But I, a lot of these videos start with me making fun of me and my direct friends. Just these are, these are people I know. And so what I've really done is kind of created characters that I'm still kind of developing and still giving names to some of them. And so I have different hats or different jackets that represent a different uh, goofball uh, beer fan that <laughs> might I be, a, there might be a piece of me in them. There might be a piece of one of my buddies or just people that I run into or have conversations with at our beer releases that I think are hilarious. That what I was saying before we started recording is that the reason why I decided to like, just go down the rabbit hole of all the posts you have is because you you actually create funny content. Like there's a lot of things in these groups that there's a beer called Wandering Into the Fog. It's a whole series of like a single hop IPA series. And like when it first came out, I mean, we had a running joke on previous episodes of how many people who were middle-aged got it would post a picture of the can and be like wow i can't see it it's too foggy and then just all the laughing emojis like it was the first time they heard the joke 10 15 times i couldn't handle it and i'm like we're better than this as a society we can do a lot better so i was on my you know just the for you and we though no of course not we're still making fog jokes but anyway uh i was like wow this is actually like funny it's topical and it makes sense and it actually plays to like TikTok trends. So it was like this holy trinity that came together and that is like your page. One kind of burning question I've always had that I think I know the answer is around smooge, which if you don't know, people listening, is a smoothie style hard seltzer that has taken the nation by storm. I did almost spend $40 for a four pack. I didn't, came to my senses, didn't. Doug is raising his eyebrows, which is fine. I didn't do it. Where on earth were you about to spend 40 bucks on that? No comment. Moving on. Now, do you love... We'll talk about this off air. Now, do you love (laughs) Smooge or do you not like Smooge, but off off air, you actually still love Smooge? What is your opinion on it? And do you like, did you like it before or after you shotgun it? I can't believe you did that. So the, the quick story behind Smooge is I... I had never had it. I was curious by it. And I really wanted one can. I did not want four. Um, I happened to see a beer store get it and they finagled me into thinking that it was like this one-time thing and it was going to go away forever. So I was like, FOMO set in. I was like, well, I better, I better buy this four pack. So when I got in my car, I set it on my passenger seat and just took a picture of it. I don't think I put a seatbelt on it, but um, I took a picture of it and said, and I, I said something like, um, how I'm, you know, mad at myself for buying this and I'm going to be even more mad at myself when I like it or something like that. <laughs> I remember this. And, uh, and the post just like blew up But that, at that time I did that. I don't think I was posting that many of these videos and my account 
engagement people into what I was posting about was not as was not very good. Uh, this that might have been at least like six months ago, and uh, people just thought it was hilarious. And the funniest part was that Smooge commented and then started like messaging me like troll messages, but in a like funny way. I'll and then so that. so that encouraged me to like keep making jokes. I do a lot of it on the stories, so you might not see it now because those come and go. But I do a lot of just like references to like Smooge kind of being my rival. And they're whoever runs their account, who oh, I have no idea who they are. Um, they've just been like really good sports about it. And it's really yeah. funny. And it's making oh, me great. it's made me like the company Smooge because of whoever runs their account, I think is funny. And I think it'd be funny if me and that person like made some kind of content together someday to like play up the the fake rivalry. I would so, love that. Um, I've Balls just in your having... court, Smooge. Balls in your court. Listen to this now. He wants <laughs> so, to do a collab. Yeah, I've just been having having fun with it. And uh, I, I, I like their style. Uh, I, I do not uh, enjoy the, the drink. I, I can drink it. It's just like uh, 300 calories that I don't need in my in my day. Fair that's enough. a good answer. That, that's a very good answer. I kind of feel the same way. I kind of hate how much I like it. Uh, it's not sustainable. It's like having a Big Mac every day for dinner. It's like, yeah, you can have it once in a while, but if you have it every day, you technically could, but you probably shouldn't because you're going to be very, very unhealthy. So yeah. good. Okay. You know, I'm glad I got that settled because I was like, I don't know if it's like one of those things you hate to love or you love to hate. So yeah, I'm, I, I'm really glad I asked that. I grew up, I grew up watching uh, professional wrestling. So I love the idea of characters with their own shtick and rivalries whether real or fabricated and uh i i love the idea of like those existing in the social media world if as long as both sides are actually having fun with it sure. uh poking poking fun at different bears um <laughs> i think is is great and uh yeah. so i i will continue to try to do more of that with smooge and anyone else who seems uh to be a good sport about it Speaking of uh, wrestling, I actually listened to um, Mal Couture. I think that show is pretty funny, and obviously Alex Kidd is, uh, he's been doing this forever, and he's a genius when it comes to all this, so I try to learn a lot just about the industry from the other side of the country. Um, and I know he mentioned you were actually on uh, like a box, because last summer I think Revolution did like a whole wrestling series, and you were like the ref. Like you were like in the ring. I'm trying to find the photo and I can't for the life of me. I wish I had it pulled out. Uh, am I am I remembering that correctly? Yeah. So we we have this uh, variety pack called the League of Heroes, and about a year and a half ago we start and we we rotate the the combination of IPAs in it every three months or so, and then we started changing up the box every time we change up the the characters, and then we we'd make the imagery on the box kind of like a comic book where all the text is in the same place every time, but the, the feature image in the background is completely different and it's different like pop culture reference. So one of the new beer we were releasing in this one was called Nelson Hero. So when we were, as a company, when we were talking about, okay, what should the, our hop character for Nelson Hero, what should that be? And I was like, you know, full Nelson, it's gotta be full Nelson. We gotta go wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. Oh, yeah. that's cool. That's <laughs> and, yeah. uh, Eventually we got uh, everybody there. And so we made him this kind of Andre the Giant looking character holding up a fermenter. So um, at the last minute, nobody told me this, but um, I guess my boss okayed, the owner of the company okayed the artist without telling me to put me into the picture and made me the referee. 
So um, <laughs> I don't know how clear the face will come through on this image, but it's a little blurry, but it actually does look like my face, uh, the little guy in the corner there. That's amazing. You're famous that now. Cool. Yeah. Look at you. Yeah. I did. I think that was awesome. There was there was a couple uh, milestones that I wanted to achieve like early on in doing this podcast. One was to create a um, a pizza style sour that I had found out that Tired Hands already did not well, and then I was like, well, let's pivot it to a lager with New Haven style pizza in it, and it's still waiting on uh, an investor. So. Um, <laughs> As doors... if no one bought into this idea. Doug. No one yet, Jeff. Please. Um, so I, I think if not that. Because that idea is kind of wild, and no one wants to like make a adjuncted logger because that's very contradictory. I do want my face on a label. That has been one thing since day one to do something like that, and then I can say, you know what, uh, that's it. I've accomplished what I wanted to do with this podcast. Um, so, is the artist that you work with is that in house, or is that like do you have to work with an agency, especially with someone as big as Revolution? Uh, agency would be a strong word. We work with a guy who has a, com a company of two. An they're agent? Called the, they're, they're, called, they're called Mighty Few because there are literally oh, okay. only two of them. And uh, then they, because we don't always use the same artists, but like our hero, even our hero characters, we have two different artists um, that we like to use for um, different types. But um, it's really two guys that have uh, been our one, one in particular who runs the place. He, he's been our designer from the very beginning. He's as close to an employee as you get, but he has his own, you know, small shop. So he gets to uh, run his own business, but I feel like we're, I keep him busy like 80 hours a week. So I don't know how much <laughs> else he has time to really do, but uh, uh, so not, not technically in-house. Okay, very cool. I was, I was curious about that too. Um, so then kind of more on revolution as well. So you are the chief strategy officer. Wow. Can't talk the chief strategy officer. Still can't say that. Whatever. We're moving on. Um, and I think what you've kind of explained in some of your posts, is it like a hybrid of like marketing and finance in a way? Is that the right way to kind of categorize it? Yeah. So, um, I'll make this really quick. You know, I, I came up as a, as, as an accountant, I, I worked at a, like a big accounting firm, was a CPA, and then uh, found my way into when I wanted to get out of working at an accounting firm. The job I happened to take was with this company who's the, uh, among many other things, uh, the big, largest beer distributor in the country. So oh. I started there at the beginning of 2009, right when the economy took a downturn um, is when I started there. And because beer sales were doing just fine back then. So it was a oh, great I'm place. I'm sure to, they will. Yeah, <laughs> great place to land. So um, that's how I got my, my start sort of in the industry. I wasn't like hands-on doing beer stuff. I got to visit their beer locations, but they did all these other things too. So I just, it was more like I had some decent exposure to beer, but I wasn't really in it. And uh, I loved the job and I worked there for eight years. And during that time, I watched, you know, craft beer become a huge part of the Chicago scene. And then it became a part of their business and they became Revolutions Distributor if you're familiar with Half Acre, they're the next biggest brewery in uh, Chicago. Mm -hmm. They they um, saw uh, saw the potential early for craft and the and the great brewers starting up, and they kind of took them under the wing to help companies like us and Half Acre grow. So craft beer became a big part of the culture there, and uh, and just office you know people what we would drink because it was a beer company. So there's always beer events and beer to drink in the office. I got the itch to work at a brewery. 
that's how I started this Instagram account back in 2013. I was like, I got to figure out a way to get into beer. So I'm going to show how, just how into beer I am by starting this beer focused Instagram account. So by calling yourself beer aficionado, that's a good start, man. Yeah, right I, I, it was an aspirational. <laughs> I'm a pro. <laughs> it was an aspirational title. I but, love it. Uh, oh, yeah. But yeah, so that, and then layering on the blog later, um, there's more stories behind that, but that's how I ended up kind of like building a tool belt of um, for my uh, resume. And I always like to do things in an as untraditional way of, as possible. So not just having a resume, but ha having this kind of social media blog side to show, you know, my perspective of the industry. Sorry. Oh, no worries. Yeah, put them on. <laughs> Merge the call. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's how, uh, someone at revolution, uh, knocked on my door, uh, literally on my Instagram account, sent me a DM, somebody I didn't know had never met before, um, saying that they were posting for a CFO job. And so, um, that was kind of like a dream for me. And so I took that, that was tw early 2016 when I started at revolution as their CFO, and just because of all the stuff I was doing on Instagram between blogging, a lot of it, you know, overlapped with marketing and good promotion of, you know, what craft brewers are doing. That's kind of what I was talking about on my personal time. Mm -hmm. So I got to like kind of help marketing over the years and just like contribute little things here and there, which became more and more over the years. So eventually the chance to run the marketing department came up at the beginning of la uh, this, this current year. So in January, my boss said, you know, do you want to do marketing? And we have a great um, up and comer underneath me on the finance side. So long, long winded answer, the title, which I fumble over myself, um, was, was just like the best word our, our owner liked to combine finance and marketing. And really I'm like transitioning out of finance and just helping mentor, you know, uh, our future finance stars, um, along while mo spending most of my time doing marketing for revolution. Doug, it sounds badass. It yeah. sounds like if you had that title anywhere else, it probably means you're waging war on somebody. Doug, <laughs> who are you waging war on? <laughs> uh, all of the uh, acquired craft uh, craft breweries that have been acquired by uh, large macro band, band, Good answer. Uh, brands. Those are my enemies. Good answer. Uh, now, do you get more? Join requests? the military. Buy bonds. We're fighting this war. <laughs> as a, I guess, as a former accountant, do you get more requests for people to do their taxes? Like, do you have you do their taxes for them, or do you get more requests for VSOJ? A lot of letters being said. That is That's a great question. Um, I've, I've now it's VSOJ. It definitely <laughs> used to be the tax thing, and that's funny you mentioned that because that is one of my least favorite things. But yeah. that and when people, because I I'm a, a hobbyist photographer, and when people diminish what it takes to take a good photo, and they're like, "Can you just whip up a few few of those awesome photos?" <laughs> and uh, like it's like pulling out your cell phone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, th that and that and can you help me with my taxes? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Can you help me with these projects I have to do for my job? Yeah. We, we had a um, consultant on who goes to breweries and like helps with a lot of like finances and gets a lot of like the red tape up and running, as I call it, because I'm horrible at anything finance. Um, and he started out by saying, "I will not do your taxes," and I was like, "Well." gonna have to hang up on you because i need an account um so yeah that that was literally what made me think of that when you said you came from from the accounting world um what has been like the most difficult 
one of those like either reels or TikToks that you've had to create? Because I know like positioning cameras and whatnot, when it's done well, it makes it look like it's really easy, but I can imagine it takes a ton of work. Is there one that sticks out that was like, this was impossible to accomplish? Um, and how long do they take you? So I, I do pride myself on, uh, typically when I do one, I've probably had it in my back pocket for a while. Cause I try to wait for when it's most convenient to do it just cause I'm busy. I got kids. And, um, and so I try to like, I don't just like come up with the idea and then immediately start doing it, or else it would probably take me three times as long. <laughs> but, um, the one that this one surprisingly didn't take that long because I think I just got lucky, but it was the one where I I'm, I'm standing at a whiteboard and I'm doing the, the mouth mouthing a, a, a few lines from Avengers. Um, I forget which actual, which Avengers movie it is, but I'm, I'm speaking as Thor where he's trying to get um, access into a system that's based on voice commands. So that one, it probably honestly took, I think four tries. The Thor it's, it's, it's a, it's about like a 20 to 30 second one, but um, mouthing it and timing it so it looked good because these it's it's most fun when you just nail the lips like some people are lazy yeah. and just try it once it doesn't look that good and then it's it's just not as funny when their mouth isn't moving perfectly to the words yeah that one i got lucky by the fourth try because it was really hard to nail the timing because he's making a lot of facial expressions as he's doing it mm -hmm. so um the stars kind of aligned for me on that one so um, I'd say that's definitely the one I was most proud of with how it came out of like looking like that was actually me talking. Yeah, that... definitely a uh, Thor, Thor Ragnarok. Mm -hmm. Jeff's a big um, Marvel Marvel movie buff, if you will. So. <laughs> oh, is that, that was gives... it from that one? Probably because okay. that's that's when he was doing that, and okay. I have all those movies memorized. You can call me Marvel aficionado. It's fine. Just, just, I'm gonna uh... steal it. I'm stealing that, and you can sue me for half the name, and that's fine. Bring it on, Doug. You're just living in Doug's shadow, Jeff. We so, have we have a team of lawyers. Uh, no, we don't. <laughs> don't. No, we do not. No, we don't. Um, so uh, I guess my last question is sort of around revolution. And I know, I think as of 2021, you guys were, what, number 39 as far as like the largest crapperies in the country. That's um, wild. Yeah. It, it really honestly is. I th Two Roads is the largest in Connecticut, and they're at 44. Um, and I, I think I asked this. We sat down with the co-founder and the head brewer, Phil Markowski, and I believe I asked this. But as someone or a company as large as that is, when you're trying to either grow or retain year-over-year -year in sales, is it a lot of trying to get quality down pat as nailing the staples of the beers that you have? Or, and I think you kind of alluded to it, is it sort of trying to push the boundaries to set new trends in order to help drive revenue and things like that? Like what direction does a large company like that go in? Good question. Thank you. Yeah, that is a great question. Um, something I think of a lot. Um, the quality side, I think we, you know, we're 11 years old now. So we had to get the quality side down a long time ago. And uh, I feel great about where we are there and where we've been for my pretty much my whole time there. So um, the quality, I think we're in a, in a good spot with um, kind of running itself and um, constantly work. Don't get me wrong. But um, what, what the, the way I would phrase it is, you know, 
I think at the state of maturity that craft beer is at and, you know, who's buying beer, where the beer is being sold, like the majority of it, and thinking like how many, you know, casual, those casual craft beer customers I mentioned before that are just, you know, picking beer up at the grocery store. You know, what I think about a lot is, you know, craft beer is best enjoyed when you're enjoying it with something else as well. You know, mm, not, yeah. not just like bottle shares where it's like the most intense craft beer customers. There's only so many, <laughs> I think those people are awesome. Uh, yes. I like to make videos about them. Yes. I am also <laughs> one of them, but no, I think it's like, you think about all the other things that people are similarly passionate about, like they can be with beer, things like music, things like sports, uh, things that take people to go create a Facebook group to find like-minded people about finding ways for craft beer to be associated with some of those passions as well. So like one thing we're a big move we made for next year is um, we signed an agreement with the MLS soccer team. Now we did that partially because me, the owner and our guy who runs our social media, our communications manager, we're all just big soccer heads. Like what we all grew up playing and being fans in different ways. And so because of that, the idea was extra exciting to us. If, if not, if that weren't the case, we probably wouldn't have done this, mm -hmm. but we're not just, uh, you know, putting our logo on some signs. We're, what we're doing is we're making a year round beer with them that embraces the team's, uh, fan culture and the can is wrapped in, uh, and looks just like the team, which looks like the Chicago city flag. And it's a big bet on the city of Chicago to match the team strategy. They were used to be in the suburbs and they just moved under new ownership into the city. So we're doing this big partnership. That's a combination of us rallying our fans around soccer, which we think is awesome. And them rallying the, the Chicago fire fans around craft beer, which they think is awesome. And it's just a way of finding two, uh, excited groups who are excited about different things, who both think what each other does is, is awesome. And so yeah there ah, you go. it's sweet it's beautiful yes yeah, so they just rebranded that that the crest uh that you see on the flag there that's the team's new logo so our beer is going to help push that out um because those are the what the uniforms are going to look like for next year so this very light cool. blue is very much the city color but i've never seen it on a beer can like like we like we did having a, a powder blue can like that mm -hmm. so it really pops we're really excited about it and we're just going to make we're going to make this beer and make the MLS soccer a big part of our communication strategy and get really into soccer. We're going to be tweeting back and forth with the, the team's account during games and cheering them on when the team scores a goal and they post the highlight, we're going to retweet it with our own commentary on the game and just have oh. fun with it and just show this other specific niche of people that we think what they're into is awesome. And Hey, we're into it too. And that's just like a really small example. And that's, that's like the, the broader story of how, you know, what we're most known for is our IPAs, which are all called heroes. Um, Jeff, you would, uh, we could probably talk for hours on this, but, uh, we were invited in 2013 to be the official craft beer and sponsors of our comic-con here. We call it C2E2 instead oh, of nice. comic-con, but we've made five comic books. We've uh, we have this huge activation. This is one of the biggest things of the year we do. It's actually in two weeks. Uh, it's not normally in December, but this, this invitation to make their official craft beer back when we were a really small brewery, it actually spawned this whole 
um, riff on our original beer, Antihero, into this whole, and that wasn't made with the intent of it being a comic book themed, but it's that's just how it went. And now everything we do is with IPAs is based around pop culture and comic books, which feeds into our one of our biggest partnerships, which is Comic-Con. So again, another nerdum group of uh, right. passionate people, passionate about comic art, um, the Marvel Universe, the DC Universe, WWE, everything that uh, Comic-Con champions, you know, cult TV shows. Um, that's just like a, a world that we think is awesome and super fun. You're and the so official beer of that world, man. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's cool. So how long until Revolution gets their name on the stadium in which the Chicago Fire play? Because like the Staples Center changed its name to Crypto.com Arena. Oh, so yeah. so what, when are we getting Revolution Brews Stadium? When are we, when are we getting that, Doug? And we're going to have to start uh, making some NFTs and Ooh. they're going to have to turn into like crypto punks in a hurry. I can help you mint uh... those. I own some cryptocurrency. So <laughs> oh my, this that. guy, this guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I need it to be thick. Okay, go on. That's it. That's all I got. Yeah, no, that's that kind of okay. that kind of marketing is unfortunately out of our league and, ah. and likely will be for a while. That's why we need to get creative and use our fans as a way to make the our the cost of entry possible by, you know, we offer the teams, like we've done uh, a sponsorship with the White Sox as well, where uh, they see the value in what we do. Whereas we don't just like, again, want our logo on a sign somewhere, you know, mm -hmm. we want to make this part of what we do and bring fans to the ballpark. And that's, what's fun to us. So, yeah. Um, I, I get, I get what you're saying. You don't have to say it, but us cellular fields can look out. That's all you need to say. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I have uh, I have one last question. Go if, and then it, this is the final question, though. This is kind of this is where we end. I was going to make a comment on NFTs, but I, I totally that's agree. fine. So I like to end the show with a nice little segment about what's in your fridge, and it's called Doug. What's in your fridge? The segment's actually called Doug. What's in your fridge? Regardless if it's the person's Doug or not. So yeah. So what's in your fridge, Doug? Well, you can uh, cut me off because I could list uh, way too much stuff in my fridge. But <laughs> my, my two my two most recent entries are. Um, so I just got back from Sacramento where my in-laws live and where I spent Thanksgiving. So what I do because I'm uh, clever like this is California breweries ship uh, anywhere in the state. So I have many favorite breweries that are out that way that I normally don't get access to in Chicago. So about you know five to seven days before I leave, I'll find some places that, whose beer I haven't had in a while and I'll ship them to my in-laws drink some of it there with my family, but always save some cans and some bottles uh, to bring back with me. So um, I brought back some Pliny the Elder from Russian River. And then um, right before I was leaving, I saw that Firestone uh, Walker released uh, their black IPA called Wookie Jack. That oh, yeah. I, you just posted about that. Um, yeah, they they um, they used to make this. It, it eventually went away again. It was like a it was a year round black IPA, and that worked in a certain time. And that time is long over. And now a black IPA cannot survive the warm months. And uh, but it works perfectly as a one off to bring back around this time of year when it gets a little chilly. So um, I was really excited to try this. That's actually what I'm drinking right now. So I brought some cans mm -hmm. of that back with me too. So those were my two latest entries into my beer fridge. Two classics. That's I feel like I'm there. I just feel so immersed in that. I love it. <laughs> that's, that's probably the best answer we're going to have, honestly. If you have Pliny and Firestone, 
it's probably it, that's probably a good fridge to have i've been no to be. yeah uh, yeah but uh yeah that that was it for me and that was it for jeff so i just want to say if you want to follow doug on tiktok and instagram it's at beer aficionado b-e-e-r-a-f-i-c-i-o-n-a-d-o had to look up how to spell aficionado not too afraid to admit that um and doug i just want to say it's been an honor having you on love the content and uh, i'm looking forward to what you guys have to post that's yeah. all for me thanks so much guys this was a lot of fun <laughs> thanks doug